0: You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. Today, we're joined by Christopher K. Morgan. Christopher is the Executive Artistic Director of Dance Place, whose mission is to build a community of artists, audiences, and students through high-quality performances, commissions, training, and educational programs.
1: Christopher, welcome. Hi, Bradley. Thank you so much.
0: Just excited to have you here because I love the arts, and I'd love for you to share with us at a high level about Dance Place.
1: We're located in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and we are the only venue in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area that exclusively presents dance performances. There's many wonderful partner institutions in the region that present dance, but we're truly dedicated to 37 weekends of dance performance in our beautiful 144-seat theater. We also have programs that serve and provide dance classes, both to youth and adults. And in an average year, we're in about 25 to 30 schools and community centers providing in-school programming that present a wide array of dances to a broad spectrum of community members. We're constantly having to redefine community based on all of the different sectors of our city that we touch. Sometimes that's our arts community. Sometimes that's our hyper-local Brookland-Edgewood neighborhood community. Sometimes that's the dance field in the metro D.C. area, but we're also really in dialogue with the national field of the arts as well.
0: Wow, that's fascinating, and it's nice to know that there's a place that one can go just for dance performances, because in so many cities, there aren't. It's kind of hit or
1: miss. Yeah, it's something that I really value as a dance artist myself, and when I am in dialogue with other colleagues, both in the D.C. area and in the nation, who are responsible for presenting, say, a mix of music theater and dance performances. I actually really value how honed in our mission is on movement arts, and also that it's a really inclusive and broad-spectrum definition of dance. We present classes and performances by companies that specialize in African dance, in the many traditions of classical dance that are from India, modern dance, contemporary dance, which is sort of a broad lens as well. So all of these different influences, for me, reflect the broad cosmopolitan city that we live in here in our nation's capital and as part of our programmatic mission.
0: Wow. And I bet you could probably do a different dance style every
1: weekend and still have more that you could do for the next 37. Absolutely. It's actually a real challenge to put a beautiful kind of puzzle together every year with the programming to make sure it represents that wide spectrum that we want to represent and still be inclusive. And sometimes we're looking at multiple years of programming to touch upon all of the different styles or communities we want to make sure are represented in our series. I'm super
0: curious about you and your background. I mean, you're so sensitive to each of these different pieces as far as culture and awareness and movement. Like, can you share your story with us? What led you to this point?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I am the child of two Marines who were both born in the Hawaiian Islands. So from a personal perspective, I'm quite mixed race. I am Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese, German and Irish. And from a young age, I started to embrace, you know, sort of that 90s definition of multiculturalism, which of course is evolving now, but was in my bloodstream from the very beginning and the way I was raised. My parents did not know each other when they lived in Hawaii, but they were both Marines, ended up stationed in Southern California, not too far from where you are, sir, in Orange County. And that's where I was born, raised, and grew up, but had a strong imprint of the Hawaiian culture throughout my upbringing. Hawaiian music played in our home. Some of the language inflected throughout my parents dictates towards us. Often when we were in trouble, the Hawaiian would come out. And hula (laughs) was the first dance form that I experienced as a child. Fast forward about 15 years later when I was in high school towards the latter part of my high school years through my high school theater department, I ended up involved in a musical and the choreographer of that recognized a little bit of movement affinity in me as I was doing a basic step touch in the background of a presentation of Pirates of Penzance, and he suggested I take a ballet class with some other students. And that sort of opened up another world of Western dance forms for me that became my life's work for the next 20 years. I then moved to San Diego, California, had my first full-time dancing job there, which brought me to Germany, to Washington, D.C. the first time. I lived and made work in New York City for several years, and then came to Washington, D.C., and was the resident choreographer and rehearsal director of a repertory company called City Dance. That company is now closed, though their education program still exist strongly, but when the company was around we had a really strong relationship with the U.S. State Department and that allowed us to tour to a lot of parts of the world that further opened up the broad spectrum of communities that I became connected to and the ways that I could engage with different cultures and dance. And so I think all of those things sort of informed the work that I do now at Dance Place. I became the executive artistic director of this institution two and a half years ago and Dance Place next season in 2020-2021 will celebrate 40 years. When I became the director, I know It's amazing. We're turning 40, y'all. When I became the director two and a half years ago, it was following founding leadership of 37 years, our founding director, Carla Perlow, and her co-director of 19 years, plus many other iterations of work that Deborah Riley, her co-director of many years, um, shared with her. So it was an important shift for this institution to change from founding leadership. But you know, there's a lot of strong legacy and foundation that I stand on from their leadership of all those years and want to continue many of the traditions of inclusivity that they embedded in the institution. And concurrently, while honoring that legacy, also move it forward into its next 40 years. That's brilliant. And it actually
0: it leads to the question that's just burning within me. Like, what is your vision for Dance
1: Place? So I mentioned, you know, the wide array of programs we offer from our presentation series to classes for adults and youth. All of those programs currently are really at capacity. We have this beautiful building that we have the great privilege to own, which has made us very financially stable as a nonprofit organization. And within that building, we utilize every square inch and every minute of every day. So it's been really exciting for me as someone that's been a part of the DC dance community to realize how important dance places in our local arts ecology. And that in fact, that programmatic demand speaks to growth. So a big part of the vision is in the next three to five years for us to expand. I'm hopeful that we can find additional space. And I'd love for it to be right here in our Brookland Edgewood neighborhood where we've been for over 30 years. It feels really critical to our, our identity to be place-based and continue that It's a neighborhood that's undergoing a lot of change. A lot of new apartment developments and condos have showed up in this neighborhood and create both opportunity and tension. And one of the beautiful things I think about our location is that we are the third space where many different people can come together in that neighborhood. So it speaks to our commitment to this neighborhood. I hope to be able to expand our space and programming. In addition, I think a part of the vision of the future is increasing our impact on the national dance field like other art forms, support for the field of dance shifts, dwindles, waivers, changes. And yet Dance Place has remained a steady institution that presents roughly 10 to 12 national touring artists each season. And that's a really important part of the national dance ecosystem. We could probably present 20 or 30 from the demand that I feel from the community. But while we balance those national tours, we also are supporting artists locally. So I would love to see that national impact become more known and renowned and better supported I envision programmatic expansions that allow us to do more festival format programming that bring more voices to the table, but also bring more folks out. How can the D.C. community and even the national arts community show up for some important dance programming here in our nation's capital? And at the center of all of that is a desire to have the work be at the intersection of arts and social activism. I think we're uniquely poised as an institution in our nation's capital. We can bring national artists to our community and have them be in direct dialogue with their representatives in our nation's government. Their artistic work can comment on the things that are happening in our community um, nationwide right now. So I'm also interested in how the themes, the content of the work that we bring to our stage in our community reflect the politics and the deep conversations that are happening in our country right now. How do you measure success? I think success is measured in a lot of different ways. Of course, we track a lot of data and we're looking at numbers and accumulating all of those things to report to all of our different stakeholders. But for me, I think the biggest impact can be measured in the lives of our stakeholders and the positive impact that we have on them. A strong example that I think of is our youth programs, which have been running for roughly 30 years since we moved into this building here in Brooklyn Edgewood back in 1986. And some of the very first youth that engaged with our programs 30 years ago now are on our staff and our youth leaders and help facilitate those same programs for future youth in our neighborhood and community. One of them, is on our board all these years later and was a neighborhood young woman who knocked on the door needing a place to hang out after school before her parents got home. That turned into her doing small administrative tasks around the building, as well as being out of the cold. And eventually, the arts became a central facet of this woman's life. She joined our board, and both of her two sons have now been through our youth programs. That kind of wow. legacy impact over generations is really meaningful, and can't always be encapsulated in numbers, but can definitely be encapsulated in the stories of our stakeholders. In the past
0: couple years, you've seen a lot of performances and facilitated them. What's one that really sticks out to you as being just either cutting edge or particularly memorable
1: for the long term? Great question. There's a choreographer based in Miami, Florida named Rosie Herrera. Rosie is an imaginative, inventive, thought-provoking choreographer that creates these performances that for me have a beautiful mix of warmth and heartfelt fun and lightheartedness while still having a lot of poignancy to them. So at the beginning of the 2018 season, which was the first season that I curated, Rosie's company opened the season. She did a performance called Make Believe. Rosie grew up Catholic and was very interested in some of the religious iconography of her childhood and how that informed things like going out in club culture in Miami and some of the perceptions that she had of that community. And she made this really beautiful piece that sort of ran the whole spectrum of these images. Um, And it was fun and funny and made me laugh and also touched my heart a little bit. It's great. She's a really wonderful, thoughtful artist.
0: You're doing so much good for so many people in your community and with your vision
1: nationwide. What are ways that our listeners can help you? Well, of course, you can attend some of the performances in our space. We have 37 weekends of content, 144 seats each night to fill. So come on in and get a ticket and engage with us. Meet artists, join our community here in Brooklyn, Edgewood in Washington, D.C. Of course, I mentioned some of the programmatic capacity that is maxed out. So... We're really looking at how can we support more programming because of the demands on our programming here in our city and in dialogue with the national community. What might that look like? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, everything from real estate development partnerships to funding to more connections with our city government, which all of those things feel strong, and yet there's always a need for more. And then I think just broadly speaking, I want to invite all listeners to really engage in movement. You know, we all have to move one way or another. There's a lot of different capacities with which we move as we are able, but everybody's involved in an active movement practice every day. And we don't always look at that as dance or artistic, but in fact it is. When you watch people navigate their lives in city and traffic in cities, and traffic patterns and all of these different ways, we're all engaged in a choreographic act. And I think also how we move together and then bringing that into a theatrical environment and breathing together and watching artwork together. There are these studies about how heartbeats of audience members tend to tune with one another when they're seated next to each other and engaged in the same theatrical experience. All of that I think really strengthens us as community members and in a time where it feels like the divisive lines increase, I think that's one of the ways to really connect us is through movement practice.
0: Wow, that's really so
1: inspiring. How do people find you? You can find us, of course, at our website, which is danceplace.org. And we're on all of the different social media handles, both on Facebook and on Instagram. It's DancePlace DC. And on Twitter, it's just DancePlace. That's great. Well, I wanna
0: thank you so much for joining us today and wanna wish you tremendous success in all of your worthy endeavors.
1: Thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing and this wonderful podcast series you're producing. Really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.